0: Welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today, and we hope you enjoy the message. Wow. Thank you. Thanks, Lyndon. Awesome. Put that down there. No, I'm going to keep that over there. I'm going to put it over here noisy one too I'm just going to take a look at you because I've missed you (laughs) I've missed being up here seeing you from this angle thank you oh it's all over it thank you thanks Linton I have I've missed you and um, but I just want to before I get into the message this afternoon I just want to say thank you to you as my church family I just want to say thank you to all of you for your support while um, I've been off. Um, I've had many of you reach out in lots of different ways, text messages, you know, just little love hearts on text, just random things dropped at my door. I caught Darren one day. <laughs> he's trying to be all sneaky, coming up to the front door and he's trying to sneak down the stairs. No, but I just um, just want to say thank you for that support and just the way that you've supported um, Paul as well in this time where he's been still coming along and our boys as well. And you've just just held our family in prayer during that time. So I just wanted to say thank you. Um, Did you get that I wanted to say thank you? I've said it about 50 times already. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, And I just want to let you know, God's done some really personal work in me in that time and really guided me through a journey, which will continue to be a journey of um, both physical and mental recovery in that time. And um, I'm very thankful to him for that. Um, he's a healer. He's a bringer of peace. Um, and I know that he'll continue to be for me and for us in, in this journey. It's like, get my hair out of the way as well. got really sticky lip balm on today. Like, does anyone else know that stress? Like, oh. Anyway. <laughs> Do you guys get that? You get the stress of sticky lip balm. Okay. Um, and look, I know that for our... Ch- I'm trying to be all, oh, was it like, just like, I feel like, is it all right now, Sonia? Uh, Sonia, come and fix it up for me. Jill, fix it. Oh, okay. All right, sweet. Thank you. Thanks. I'm trying to be all like serious and it's just not happening, is it? All right. And look, I feel like going to this like serious sentence and they're fixing my hair. It's like, where's my like makeup and hair before I get off on stage? Anyway. Um, oh, I feel like I have to start again. No, look, there has been challenges. I know there's been challenges while I've been away. Um, but I've been so encouraged watching from the sidelines in that and just to see you guys rally together as uh, and support each other in that too. And I'm really so incredibly blessed to call you family, to call you my brothers and sisters in Christ. So, um, and... Part of what I wanted to share today is kind of part of what God is, was speaking to me personally about when I was off, and there is some parts of that, and I'm not going to tell you because that's just for me. Isn't it great that God's got some stuff just for me, and for our church? But um, He had been talking to me personally about this theme of rebuilding. Now there was some time when I couldn't, like, where I didn't get to watch the the online services, and and I know that you have kind of heard that theme of rebuilding while I've been away as well. Um, and I, uh, I guess I needed that personal time of, of God talking to me about rebuilding. I needed um, His wisdom and His guidance to know kind of how to rebuild from a place where I felt pretty broken, pretty worn down. In that, and there were times, to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you, as your pastor, <laughs> there is times when I would look ahead at the journey that was in front, and I would just be like, "Yeah, that's way too big. It's too big. It's too overwhelming." Um, and it's probably going to be too exhausting for me in that space. But graciously, through his word um, and through the encouragement of those people around me, he began to show me a path for this theme of rebuilding for me personally. Um, and during that time, uh, there were so many scriptures that were encouraging, but God led me to spend a fair bit of time in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And... Um, and my, again, most of that time, it was a very personal word to me. No offence, God wasn't talking to me about you guys. <laughs> um, and I needed that, that space. But there was a moment as I was reading through the book of Ezra and just kind of meditating on that word, that I felt a shift. I felt God shift in that. And him starting to speak through his word, and it became not just something that was personal for me, but all of a sudden he said, now I'm giving you a word for our church. Now it's time for it not only for this to be a personal thing, but this is a word for us as a church community. So, today I want to bring you a word of encouragement from the book of Ezra. Um, And yes, it can be applied to each of you individually, but I want to really encourage you that today's message is an us message. It's an us message. It's us as a community, it's us as a church, it's us as, as a family. And look, I can probably have a pretty good guess that most of you probably haven't spent a lot of time in the book of Ezra. Um, there was, I had a bit of a laugh about this because for a long time in my kind of teenage years, I thought Ezra was a woman because that was what the nickname I called my sister was Ezra. Her name's Erin. We used to call her Ezra. So for a long time, you could tell I just hadn't read it because I thought it was written by a woman, which was very progressive for the Old Testament. But anyway... And so I felt quite embarrassed when I got to that point. I'm like, oh, it's it's a man. Ezra's a man. I always thought it was a girl's name, but that's okay. Um, So I could probably guess that a lot of you probably haven't spent a lot of time in Ezra, and that's okay. Um, And we're we're not going to go in depth into a big study of Ezra, um, but I do want to give you a little bit of context so it starts to make sense. So at the beginning of the book of Ezra, you've got the people of God, the Israelites, who had been in exile for 70 years. They had been forced out of their homes. They'd been forced out of their homelands after the Babylonians had captured Jerusalem um, and destroyed the temple of God, destroyed their home base, if you like. And they were scattered. They were scattered throughout the, the lands. And it had been quite a number of, of years. There was, there's probably two more generations that started to, to just be born and to grow up in these foreign spaces. Um, they had no home base. They had settled into these foreign lands and, and gradually and suddenly they just kind of settled into their circumstances and settled into the way of living. And then all of a sudden there's this new king who took the throne as the king of Persia. It was King Cyrus. And the Bible says that his heart was moved by God. His heart was moved by God. And all of a sudden he declared that all the exiles could return to Jerusalem and start to rebuild the temple. After 70 years, he said, yep, I'm going I'm to gonna, resource you. I'm going to let you all go. If you want to go back to Jerusalem and you want to start to rebuild the temple, you have my blessing. I, I want you to do this because God had moved his heart. And so this is the book of Ezra that tells the story of their return to rebuild the temple And it's over a period of about 23 years. Now, that's not a discouragement for you guys, 23 years. We've been here for what, 11? 11, so we're halfway there. All good. 23 years. And it tells the story of all the twists and the turns and the the joys and the setbacks and the wins and the losses and the opposition and the opportunities that they faced during this time of rebuilding the temple. You know, in order to get a sense of what it was like for them over this time, I actually came across this Instagram reel, which some of you may have seen, that I want to show you. But it demonstrates their struggle and journey perfectly. And it's credit to Matthew Stern. I don't know him. He's a photographer. He captured this uh, artistic, um, I guess, show of a a artist. Um, And so I just want us to watch this together. And I want you to think... This kind of is is a picture for me of what the people in the book of Ezra were, were going through. But I want you to see if you can relate, not only individually, but for us as a church. So let's just watch it together. Can relate, hey. I just feel like that cut out so much of what I need to explain. <laughs> it's who can relate to that. Yeah. And I could sum up Ezra, the story of, of the book of Ezra in three words: opposition and opportunity. Opposition and opportunity. And as I've faced my own personal internal opposition over the last couple of months, um, And have battled to overcome opposition. God's taking me on my own journey of literally seeking him on my knees um, for things that just seem too hard and too overwhelming. And there, honestly, there's been days where it probably would have been easier for me just to resign to the comfortable part of my life, um, which was generally my bed. (laughs) It's pretty comfy. Um, And to retreat from the situations that felt hard um, and that felt risky. And as a church, I think that uh, we can kind of sum up the journey that we've been in over the last couple of years, you know, as in the same three words, opposition and opportunity. And as I was reading Ezra that day when I felt God kind of shift the message from it being something personal to me to, to something that was more an us message, I came across this verse. This is the verse that I felt that it shifted and I feel like it's a word for our church. In the midst of this opposition that they were facing, there's this verse in Ez- Ezra chapter 9, verse 8. It says, Now, but now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in this sanctuary. And so God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our slavery. I'm going to read that again because I want it to kind of sink in and and for God to kind of hit you with the same thing he hit me with. He said, but now, for a brief moment, the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in this sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief to our slavery. That's where I felt it shift for us. And it goes on and talks about how God had granted them new life to rebuild the house of God and to repair the ruins, repair the things that hadn't been working so well. And church, while there has been opposition and challenges, there's been disappointments, there's been frustrations, and while things may not look like what they might have looked like in the past, God himself is creating the opportunity and he is calling us He is stirring our hearts to rebuild. And he has given us a firm foothold in this sanctuary and is giving light to our eyes and relief to our souls. And he's asking us to persevere through the setbacks, to trust his promise to give us a future and a hope, and not just for us and our church community, for this greater community at large, for his glory... To be shown in this place, I pictured you being a lot more excited about that. awesome. Yeah, uh, he is, not. He wants to. He intends to prosper us in our character, and grow us in our unity, not to harm us or to forsake us. His faithfulness is steadfast, and his promises are sure. His faithfulness is steadfast and His promises are sure. And I have seen this over the last months, in particular as our direction and our calling from God has been, and it will continue to be tested with opposition, that church, we are better together. That message just rattled around in my head for months. We are better together. And what may look like we're not able to do on our own, we can do as a church community. And God is looking for those. He's looking for those whose hearts will be stirred, will be willing to be moved and respond to the call to rebuild. And as I was walking through the book of Ezra, there was a couple of things that God really just drew my attention to when it came to this us message. The first one is from Ezra chapter one, verse five. It says, Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose hearts God had moved, prepared to go up and to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. This call had gone out to the people. God had been preparing God had been moving the hearts of those who would rebuild the temple. And the text goes on to list family by family and number by number all the people who responded to that call. And we can look at that list and go, wow, there's a lot of people. Like I think it, in the first, lot, it was like 42,000 people. Like who'd love just 42,000 people to turn... Well, I don't know if we could do that. 42,000 people just to turn up next Sunday. And we can go, wow, it's a lot of people. But what we can miss is that that was a remnant, it was a small number of the people who responded to the call. It can be easy for us to overlook that. The many chose to stay in, in their lands that they had settled in. They, it wasn't bad there. They had good houses, they had good families, they had good businesses, they you know, had built a life there. And those things aren't bad things. The people who decided to go and who responded to the call of the move of God on their heart, it was going to be sacrificial and costly and there was risk involved. There was a dangerous journey to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild. They knew there would be challenges but their hearts were moved by God. And church, I believe that during this time that God is moving the hearts of those he is calling to rebuild. God is already moving the hearts of those that he is calling to rebuild. That while some may not come along for the journey, and that's okay, that he has the right people for the right time for all that he has planned to do for this community, for this church community. Some of you are already here in these walls. Some of you have been here the whole time. Some of you are just joining in and you feel like there's something you're responding to with kind of going, see through Camden, it starts to feel like my home. Like there's something that's drawing me there. And you know what, church? Some people are yet to come. They're yet to come. Because as I read that part of scripture, I felt God declare that we are going to be witnesses to a great regathering. A great regathering of those whose hearts he is moving That there will be the returning of exiles, if you like, for those that, for whatever reason, have maybe over the last few years have left the house of God, not just this one, any house of God, Um, because of circumstances, because life just happened, like who knows that, life happens sometimes, that uh, there might have been hurt, there might have been disconnection, But God has been moving their hearts. And I think that there's a whole stack of people who know God's been moving their hearts but they don't know what to do with that yet. And church, I think that God, I believe that God is now asking us to put the call out. He's asking us to put the call out. That there are people in your world that you know that haven't been connected to a church community over the last few years for whatever reason. And we're not here to judge that. We're not here to get down on people for that. But you know what? You've been loving them. You've been connecting with them. And it, but it's never kind of really felt like the right time to say, hey, have you thought about, you know, you want to come along to church or where are you at with God? It's never felt like the right time to have that conversation. Church, I believe that time is now. I believe God is going ahead of your conversations. That there are people who are just waiting to be asked about their relationship with God in your world. And they have thought about connecting again, but they just need that bold conversation to ask in their world. I believe that God is putting a call out to his people to return home. And so I just want us to take a moment. There's a few moments where we're going to kind of respond. I just want, if you had a phone or a piece of paper or something, just take it out right now. We're just going to spend just 20, 30 seconds in the presence of God and I believe he's going to start dropping names into your head. And it's not something you've got to think about. Don't search for it. to go, oh, who have I seen for three years? and I need to reconnect with. God's already been moving in people's hearts. He's got people in your world that he's ready just to drop into your mind. And I want you to write that down. So it's just, just spend a moment just seeking God in that. Holy Spirit, I know even just right now. That you are, you are bringing to mind the people whose hearts you're already moving. God, that you've already gone before in the conversation. God, give us a boldness. Give us the right words. Even when we don't have the right words, give us the laughter to kind of say, hey, we don't have the right words. Help us to love well and to include well and to ask the hard questions well and to care enough to say, where are you at with God? Have you thought about reconnecting with the church community? God, we thank you in advance for how you've been moving people's hearts, how you've been drawing the exiles home. God, that your desire is for people to be in the house of God, where they can learn about you, where they can love you, where they can be transformed into the likeness of your son, Jesus. We thank you that you're going ahead of us in that. Amen. Amen. So I want you to make a plan. Those people that just dropped into your head then, just make a plan. God's with you. It says that so many times in Ezra. It says the hand of God was with them. The hand of God was with them. The hand of God is with them. The hand of God is with you. Just go have a chat. <laughs> so the second thing that drew my attention in this book of Ezra is in Ezra chapter 3, verses 11 to 13. It says this, it says, All the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because of the foundation was laid. So this was just after they started to to lay the foundation of the temple. It says, But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish, distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. Church, in the rebuilding, there was grieving of what was and there was joy of what could be. There was grieving of what was and there was joy of what could be. In the rebuild, there is room for grief and there is room for joy. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Sometimes we need to grieve. As your pastor, I have grieved. In fact, much of the time that I've had off was grieving. (laughs) I have shed many tears. (laughs) I have allowed myself to feel the heartache and the disappointment. And sometimes as individuals and as a community, we need to grieve, and that's okay. You know, some of you look back and you grieve what was. Some of you have lost people. And you've lost relationships along the way. The people that you used to sit alongside with in church every week and you thought you were going to do the journey with them. And you grieve that. And that's okay. You're allowed to grieve that. Some of you have family members that used to come and that are no longer coming here. It's okay to grieve that. Some of you remember the days when the number of people might have felt a little bit more abundant. (laughs) It's okay to grieve that. But it's okay for us to have joy too when we look around and we see what is and we see what could be and when we come back to remembering who Jesus is and that he is in control even when we don't know what the future holds. And during my time of, of grief, I believe that God showed me that in this church there are some real instruments of joy. Helen, she's not here today, is she? Helen? Helen is an instrument of joy in this church you might not know her by name but she's usually at the front gate or out there and she's got a big smile on her face she is the an instrument of joy in this church Steph you are an instrument of joy in this church I know she's not here I know they had dancing today Remy Cooper Remy Cooper, you saw her dancing on the stage for those of you who were here last week. Remy Cooper, make sure someone tell the Coopers this is happening. Remy Cooper is an instrument of joy in this house. So is Jackson's story. Instrument of joy in this house of God. Mary, you are an instrument of joy in this house of God. If you don't know Mary, you need to have a chat with her. You need to get to know her. She's an instrument of joy. In many parts of life, but in this church, <laughs> Liam Rowe, Emma, you can tell him. Liam Rowe is an instrument of joy in this house. Mick Brownley, who's not here today, he is an instrument of joy in this house. Gareth Mumby, I told you you were going to be talked about today in this message. Gareth Mumby, you are an instrument of joy in this house. And when I your name dropped in that, it wasn't just an instrument of joy. You're a firecracker in this, <laughs> in this church, and I just felt like God was saying, "Unleash the fun, Gareth. Unleash the fun." I've seen you running around with lots of lots of kids following you, like the Pied Piper, in some little church in Burke, when like you're driving the parents insane, but those kids, there was so much joy. God saying, "Unleash that joy." Rhiann Foster, I know you're watching and listening. I spoke to you as well. You are an instrument of joy in this house. And I know many of you, I'm not saying the rest of you are like (laughs) sad people. (laughs) But they were just some names that dropped into my house and into my house, into my head. Please don't drop into my house. That's weird. Okay. So (laughs) let me know you're coming. Um, So let's stand side by side and be able to hold grief and joy together. Let's be able to speak grace and truth to each other. And the other thing, uh, in the prophet Zechariah talks about uh, these people, these exiles coming together. And this is another verse that just stuck out to me. And he said, it's Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16. It says, These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth with one another. Render verdicts in your courts that are just and lead to peace. You know, we are going to look different as a community. We need to put some stakes in the ground and say this is who we are as a community. We need to say we, we do grieving and we do joy. We do grace and we do truth. We do hard conversations and we have each other's backs. We do what it takes to work together. We don't do false peace, we do God's peace. Yeah. Doug Sotho, I just when, I, that, <laughs> when that verse, when I thought about that, that verse, your name immediately dropped into my head. And you are an instrument of truth in this church. There's lots of instruments of joy. You are an instrument of truth in this church. And I believe there's probably been times in your life where you've been criticised for speaking the truth. Um, And it just caused a bit of a retreat in you, in your soul from speaking when God gives you a message, God gives you discernment and God gives you a word of knowledge. But I believe that God wants you to speak truth and he wants you to give you the ability to do it in love but with an accuracy that will set other people free from pretense, from the pretending that they're doing in life, and draw them closer to God, won't tick them off, it'll draw them closer to God, and it'll break down walls that people have built up to protect themselves from vulnerability, and that's keeping them captive. You being an instrument of truth is going to set people free. And it's particularly with other men in your life. So if you're in his gathering, watch out, because... (laughs) Um, And afterwards, maybe, Darren, can you pray with Doug after just about that? But you were that name that dropped into my head about being just an instrument of truth in our church. And the third thing that drew my attention was this, and I'm almost done. It's from Ezra chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. Before, when I... Kind of in summary, before the people rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the altar. Before the people rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the altar. So let's just read this scripture. It says, Despite their fear of the people around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both in the morning and the evening sacrifices. Then, in accordance with what was written, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles, the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifice, all the sacrifices for the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those they brought freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. Now, that sounds like a mighty lot of sacrifices. You're like, are we going to start doing that? No, we're not. Um, And you might think, well, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with us. I'm not seeing the connection. Um, But the people did this for two years before they started building the foundation of the temple. Why did they do this? I think it's important for us to understand the significance of this. Because before the time when the people like I said before this time the people had been in exile they had been doing life according to the priorities and the circumstances and the customs and all those things of someone else's land and they had lost their sense of identity in that, they'd lost their sense of identity in that and they'd almost lost their why and yet they were here now, they'd come back to a place that was meant to be their spiritual home and there was literally nothing there There was no church they could just take over and kind of with half-started ministries that they could just kind of swoop in and start running the programs. There was no building that they could just pick up and run with. There was nothing. They were starting again, again. They'd done this before. (laughs) They were starting again, again. I've said that so many times. We're starting again, again, again. Probably a third time. They didn't know how they were going to get the job done, but they just knew God was asking them to rebuild. They had the desire to rebuild and they knew what they wanted it to look like. But in their own strength, they didn't know how they were going to get there. You can relate, hey? Maybe it's just us as pastors. <laughs> like, I don't know how we're going to get there. The distance between what is and what can be is sometimes a really hard place to be. There are times when God gives us all vision. He even gives us as pastors vision of what we can be as a church community. And honestly, we have no idea how we're going to get there other than the miraculous hand of God. Some of you, for example, have a desire for a bustling and full kids and youth ministry, a place where your own kids can go and that there's kids of all ages and the youth are coming in from the community and we're going to have this great... It's going to take time to build. It's going to take time to build. I know some of you, this will say, some of you want a morning service. (laughs) Instead of or with an afternoon service, that's great. That's going to take time to build. Some of you would love more times of worship and encounter and kind of an unleashing of creativity in our church. That's going to take time to build. Some of you would love to see us do more in the community. You know, that's going to take time to build. Some of you would love deeper relationships. That's going to take time to build. So how do we sustain that space between what is and what can be during this time of rebuilding without getting discouraged or disillusioned or frustrated or or impatient? Well, how did these returning exiles do it? How did they maintain their grit, their focus, their determination and their resilience? You know, the people around these returning exiles were laughing at them, were mocking them, they were threatening them. There was opposition from outside their community, but there was also opposition from inside their community. I imagine there would have been so many opportunities along the way for them to be frustrated and, to be honest, a little bit embarrassed about their lack of progress. Their sacrifices every day would have been magnified by the vast scope of the work that was still to be done and their lack of resources to do it but by continuing every day to do their sacrifices, to get back to that rhythm, to have the feasts and the festivals, they were re-establishing their identity as a community. They were doing so on the back of praise, worship and thanksgiving. They were coming, finding their identity. They were finding their why again on the back of praise, worship and thanksgiving. They were coming back to the recognition that God was at the centre of all of it. That was their strength. That was their sustenance. That was their resilience. That was their focus. That was their perseverance. Because church rebuilding never starts with what we can do for God. It starts with what He's already done for us. It requires us to come back to our why. The starting line of every beginning for us as New Testament Christians is Jesus. That is the beginning of it all. He is our altar, He is our foundation, He is our why, He is our identity, He is our reason. And during this time, before they started to physically see the rebuilding of the temple, the people kept coming back to their why above anything else, above any opposition that came their way. They laid down their pride. They laid down their timelines. They they laid down their agendas. They laid down everything. And they formed a foundation of praise and thanksgiving and worship to their God. And church, I believe that we're being called to do the same. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that together in a moment as a community, as a church community. And I encourage you, if you're watching online, this includes you, you can join in on this, even if it's throughout the week. God's outside time. It doesn't matter if you're here, if you're not here. God is calling all of us. He's calling all of us to stand alongside each other as peoples whose hearts are moved by God to rebuild, not in our own strength, with the foundation of praise and of worship and of thanksgiving for who, for how mighty our God is and how mighty he'll always be and how mighty he will continue to be. Before we do that, I just want to take a moment to pray for those who are involved in our worship ministry. So if you're involved in our worship ministry, I just want to invite you just out the front, now. You guys can come. (laughs) It's weird when there's no music because they're all going to be out the front. It's like one of those moments where we'd have atmospheric keys from Steph, but I want to give her the opportunity to be here. And I know there's a few that aren't here today. We've got Tay, we've got Mike who aren't here today. And this is for you guys as well. So I want you to hear this. Is there anyone else who's not here today? Jake, yes. And Mara. Steph Sullivan, yep. And... Joel and Ethan, if they're still, no, they still doing stuff in the band? Okay, cool. All of you. This is for all of you. And why I wanted to get you guys out the front here. You know, as the exiles made their way back to Jerusalem, the scripture makes the point to say that there were 200 male and female singers. Wouldn't that be amazing? All of us squished on stage. 200 male and female singers. And we might go, oh, that's amazing. Like, we'll take 100. Okay. And that might seem like us as a lot. We'd take Four. <laughs> okay. It might seem like a lot to us, but out of the whole number of people that went, it was 0.4% of the population. 0.4% of the population. They were incredibly small in number. But they were given a special mention because it was on the back of their ministry that the people found their why. Why? The people found their why. They found their grit. They found their resilience. They found their courage on the back of the praise and the worship and the thanksgiving led by 0.4% of the population. And I want you guys to be encouraged by that. Because I know there's been challenges that have been unique to your ministry. The grief has been real, the challenges have been real, the discouragement has been real. But I believe that God is wanting to give you a new wind. We've sung about that today. Give you a new wind, a new anointing in this season, a new ability to skillfully lead our community in times of praise and worship and thanksgiving that will provide supernatural resilience and transformation to our church, that provide an atmosphere where hearts are moved by God and ears are inclined to what He's asking us to do. And there'll be new vision and new fire that will be birthed. And I'll just ask Ron and Jill if they could just kind of be praying over you, just, just briefly. There's a few people, there's a few words that I just want to say as they're doing that over you guys. Paul and Steph, I want you to know that there is new fire coming. There's fresh oil. There's fresh anointing for your creativity there is fresh anointing for you're going to start seeing things outside of the box you're going to start seeing different ways of doing things there's a fresh oil that's going to speak life into your weariness that's going to speak life into your discouragement and frustration Jason, I know I've already said this to you but you know what you said to me that you're not worthy and I want to say it in front of other people so you know that you are worthy I believe these words were for you this week be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And it's time to unleash some of your creativity. Don't be, don't be stand, standoffish about it. God's asking you to be bold. Steph, Paul, I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear your creativity. It's, it's God saying, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged in it. I know you've been through a journey. Don't be discouraged in it. He's, God's got his hand on you. Um, Mike, I know he's not here today, and this is for Mike and Karner. I just had this vision of them being like glue. Um, And I know Kana's not necessarily in in the music team, but just together, they're just like glue. Whatever they say will stick. Whatever they encourage people with will stick. Whatever, whoever they gather together will stick. And there will be just this gathering of people around them. So we just want to pray for you guys. Church, if you just want to reach out and just pray for these guys. They... Like have you, sorry, like I know it's more than just turning up early to do the practice. They intercede for you guys. They fight a battle for you guys. They have, like I said, have been through some challenges in their ministry, like many of you have. But let's just pray fresh wind on them, fresh wind, God. Thank you, Jesus. It's one of those moments that's a little bit awkward because they're going to lead the next song. So as you finish being prayed for, those of you who are on can jump back up on stage because, church, I'll just invite you to stand where you are. We're going to sing a song together, and it's called Waymaker. Many of you know it um, really well. But, church, he's calling us to rebuild. He's calling our hearts to be moved. But let's do it in his strength and grace. Let's come to Him as our why. Let's come to Him as our foundation. Let's build our altar on praise and thanksgiving and on worship. He is the one who makes a way. He is the miracle worker. He is the one that keeps His promises. He is the one who will guide us as a church community into this next season. He is the one who will walk with us in the challenges and the grief and the hard times. He is the one who will be the source of our joy and our grit and our resilience. He will be the one that will be the the one giving us new vision, new thoughts, new ways of doing things. And if this is a word that's spoken to you today, if you already feel like God's moving my heart, I don't know what that looks like. You don't have to know. It's okay. I don't know what that looks like. It's not like we have some magical plan that we're gonna just kind of unveil over the next. It's okay because God's got us. He's got you. He's got me. He's got us as a church community. And if this is a word that's spoken to you, to your heart today, I invite you either physically or even just where you are, just come to the altar. Come to Jesus. Say, this is a rededication of my life to walk with you, to listen to you, to to stand in the hard times, to be part of the rebuild. God, I'm here to be used by you in this church community, to stand alongside my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that might be for you the first time might be for you the millionth time you've done that you don't have to have it all worked out you don't have to even have the the strength to be like yeah let's go you just might have the desire to just go I just want to be in that I don't know how it's going to work I don't know what it's going to look like but I just invite you church come to the altar and let's declare not asking for strategy not asking for how he's going to make it work let's just come and declare that he is a way maker that He is the one that will provide opportunity in the opposition, that He is the one that will give us what we need, that He is the one that will meet you in your grief, that will meet you in your joy, that will meet you in, a, in truth-telling, that will meet you in your conversations that you're gonna have with people this week. Let's just sing this together. Let's declare this as, ch- as a church, as an us, as a community. Where you are, let's just come to the altar one more time. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or visit our website at www.c3camden.church You always will be